Hi, this is Ben Lowell and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada. Today, Dr. Neufeld's going to continue in his series in the book of Daniel, a series entitled Singing the Lord's Song in a Strange Land. So let's turn in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 to 21, as Dr. Neufeld brings us a message entitled, Taking a Stand and Changing a Nation. Let's just be honest about it. Evil promises us something here and now that godliness finds it very difficult to compete with. For instance, evil offers sexual pleasure without moral restraints. It offers great wealth that comes quickly and without ethical qualms. It it offers power and prestige in this world. In response, Jesus bids his followers to pick up their cross and follow him. I mean, that's why evil is seductive. It does not require that you wait for the next world. It offers you everything that you might dream about right here and right now. Now, we've started a new study. I mean, it's in the first six chapters of Daniel. And we've noticed that although Daniel was taken from his home and his future in Jerusalem, suddenly for him, a new and endless world of possibilities opened up to him in Babylon. If he studies hard, he he would become an advisor not to the king of Jerusalem, but to the king of Babylon, whose empire ranged from Turkey to Egypt to Saudi Arabia to Iran and up to Syria and beyond. I mean, the possibilities for him were not restricted, but they were suddenly expanded. And in the meantime, Daniel would be exposed to the wisdom of Babylon, which included the occult and a form of wisdom condemned in the Hebrew Scripture. Daniel and the other young captives from the nobility of Jerusalem would be placed into moral dilemmas that would test their loyalty at every level. So let's read our text from today. I'm reading Daniel 1, verses 8 to 16. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he say that you are in worse condition than the youths who are in your own age? So you would endanger my head with a king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, before we ascertain the meaning of the drama, let's be clear why this was an issue. From pictures of ancient Babylon, we see artistic depictions of wise men who were pudgy and well-fed. Now, that seems to have been the ideal, the picture of health and prosperity. And so the diet the king demands was intended to produce that kind of a result. I mean, sorry for wrecking your internal picture of Daniel. And so the drama here is that whether after 10 days, Daniel would look heavier than he did before. And that now leads to the question of whether Daniel's refusal to eat the king's food has to do with Jewish dietary restrictions found in the law of God. Was the food on the king's table food that Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14 forbade him from eating? So let's examine the details. 
we should begin by noticing that wine is not forbidden to faithful Jews. Therefore, the problem we assume must have been the food. Perhaps so. It's thought that the the young men would have been fed pork, and since Daniel's friends might not always have been able to ascertain what all the food was, since they were not there when it was being prepared, perhaps their stands had everything in the world to do with remaining kosher. Well, perhaps. But that doesn't explain the refusal to drink wine, nor that they would only eat vegetables. I mean, wouldn't it have been easier for them to be picky and and convince the chief eunuch to simply allow some items off the menu? Since being vegetarian had absolutely no place in Jewish society, we are left for some other explanation of these events. So, So what is going on? See, another possible explanation is that Daniel and his friends were avoiding the king's food as yes, an attempt to refrain from that which was not kosher, but also that they deliberately went well beyond the Old Testament kosher laws. But why? And the answer must be that Daniel and his friends were avoiding the luxurious diet of the king in an attempt to distance themselves from the temptations of Babylonian culture. And so this Spartan diet of vegetables and water only was their reminder that they were foreigners in a strange land. They were trying to keep themselves separate and distinct from the wider culture. The greatest fear must have been that they would be assimilated into Babylonian culture and that they would slowly and gradually begin to forget that they were the unique people of God. You know, if this is the explanation of these events, and and I'm convinced that it is, we still might ask a question. Why would they take a stance and a risky one at that over the seemingly insignificant issue of food? You know, it seems to me that there were a great many larger items that needed to be dealt with. I mean, what about the study of occult practices condemned in the law of God? Why draw a line in the sand about what seems so insignificant as food? I mean, why not rather refuse to attend some classes or to refuse to attend some after-school functions, which surely must have been pagan? Why food? But several things ought to be clear. Food was an important issue for every Hebrew. To be a faithful Jew meant you were kosher. When Jews ate their peculiar diet, they indicated that they belonged to God. The Spartan diet of water and vegetables was most likely a reminder that they were exiles and they didn't belong. They were in a kind of mourning. And that's not to say that this Spartan diet was a lifetime practice for Daniel. I mean, we need only to go ahead to Daniel 10, verses 2 and 3, and there we read, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. See, that would indicate that Daniel was eating meat and drinking wine later in life. No, no, I think vegetables and water was not their commitment for life, but it was an important aspect of directing the trajectory of their life in Babylon. See, when I first became a believer in my 18th year, I at that time used to play guitar in restaurants and bars and other places. I had a stack of old vinyl record albums, and if I stacked them up, I think it would come pretty close to my waist. Because I was a new believer and I needed a break from my former way of life, I threw a whole awful lot of stuff into the waste bin. I threw it all away. And then I know it would have been valuable today, but I have never, not for a moment, been sorry about that. See, there are some lines in the sand that a believer needs to draw. But here is a little secret. Victorious people of God find a place to stand 
They have an important symbol in which they will never forget that they don't belong to the dominant culture, but that they are the unique people of God. I know that food is an external matter. I also know that New Testament believers are given no restrictions around food. But that's not the point. The point is that Daniel and his three friends could not stop their names from being changed, neither could they opt out of their studies. I mean, to have done so would have cost them their lives. See, the point is simply this. At some level, no matter where it was, Daniel and his three friends decided they would make an outward expression of their ongoing commitment to the God of Israel. They were not going to be Babylonian. They were going to be the people of the one true living God. I mean, every time they would sit down to eat, they would be reminded that they belonged to Jerusalem and not to Babylon. It would take a miracle from their God to gain weight on this dietary plan because if they looked worse or skittier than their colleagues, they would be forbidden this practice. You know, some time ago, the movie Chariots of Fire chronicled the true story of a Scottish runner by the name of Eric Liddell, who in the early part of the 20th century refused to run in the Olympic Games on Sunday simply because Sunday was his day of worship and not a day of worldly activities. He would gladly forego the gold medal because to have run on a day of worship was to dishonor his God. Now, in the movie, the Prince of Wales reminds Liddell of his duty to his country, but of course, Liddell, like Daniel before him, sought to do his country no harm. But when it came down to the expectations of his culture and his commitment to the one and true God, it was going to be no contest at all. And that's how it must be for all of us. All believers must find a place where their call to Christ deliberately supersedes the call of their culture. Daniel would become a noteworthy citizen of Babylon, but he would never forget that every morning he'd open his window and pray in the direction of Jerusalem. As a young man, he would stake his flag and never forget where his first loyalty lay. You know, it's critical to understand that when it comes right down to it, we are ultimately citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And everything else, well, it ought to take second place. Well, we'll learn more in just a minute when Dr. Neufeld returns. So if you haven't subscribed yet, you'll want to before the August edition of Truth and Life magazine gets sent out. Truth and Life magazine is the publication of all the Back to the Bible Canada's ministries, including In Doubt and Laugh Again. So there's a great variety of excellent Bible teaching and engagement articles for everyone, ministry updates, and news. So sign up today for your free Truth and Life magazine at backtothebible.ca or call us at 1-800-663-2425. Now let's go back to the Bible with Dr. John Neufeld. All faithful people of God have sought for ways to distinguish themselves from their wider culture. I know that there are business people and university students and union workers and salespeople and others who have made a stance over what seemed to some to be a small matter, but to you, it was a test of your faithfulness. I know of people who have been unable to handle, for instance, the sexual pressure that that comes through the public media, so they have simply had their cable TV or their internet disconnected. It seemed like a small thing, but that's where they began to make their stand. 
I know of one young man who refused to play hockey in a community hockey league because it reminded him of his non-Christian days when he had lived a wild and licentious life. In spite of how much everyone wanted him to play for their team, because he was such an excellent player, he refused hockey for the cause of Christ. Look, I'm not saying that we should all make our stand in the same area. Perhaps this matter is very personal, and I'm not advocating that we ever judge one another over external matters, but I do know that we often make a stand for Christ in seemingly small things. I also know that when we make these stands early on in our Christian life, it sets a tone for what comes later. See, if you begin your walk in Christ by compromising, you're going to have a difficult time making your stand later on. Now, we also notice that in his courageous stance, Daniel puts his God to the test. And in the results, we see that God honors him. 1 Samuel 2 verse 30 says the following, Those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. Daniel, in the physical results of his diet, saw that this was so. So let's move on. Daniel 1, 17 to 21. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now this passage tells me that Daniel had embarked upon a life of faith. Having tested God in the matter of food, he felt ready to test God in the matter of his education. As we're going to see in the next chapter, when it came to interpreting dreams, Daniel did not rely on Babylonian tradition. He didn't rely on the occult, but rather he relied on God. But Daniel would have been thoroughly conversant in all the thought systems of his culture. It would seem to me that Daniel's ability, at least at first, would have been attributed to the magical arts of Babylon. But one thing we know, Daniel mastered his training. He wasn't slack in what he set out to do. I mean, years before Daniel, Solomon had written the following words recorded in Proverbs 22, verse 29. It says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Daniel proved that. He mastered his studies with diligence for God was with him. While he studied, as he worked through what he needed to know, his eyes were never off his God. Every meal it was back to water and vegetables, so he never forgot whose man he ultimately was. Let me tell you of my experience in these matters. Years ago, I achieved a a degree in a master's program, and it was the first so-called evangelical seminary in North America to openly reject biblical inerrancy. Everything in Scripture was constantly doubted, and those of us who believed God's Word was true and without error were often mocked. It was not uncommon to hear a professor say, well, the Apostle Paul is in error here. Examples of biblical errors were constantly paraded before us, and caricatures were made of those who adopted the view of inerrancy. And as I worked my way through the studies in the original languages and methods of biblical hermeneutics, I made a commitment to the Lord. If these guys were right, I would never enter the ministry, and furthermore, I even thought I might abandon my faith. 
I owe a debt of gratitude to my wife as she faithfully prayed for her husband during that trying time. How I love her now for her prayers for me then. I also purchased a conservative textbook along with all the liberal texts assigned to me and double-read for some of my classes. As I look back on those trying times, two things seem clear. First, I stopped fearing the liberal arguments. I found that many of my professors had never read a conservative text and were completely unfamiliar with what conservatives were actually saying. That was an eye-opening discovery. And second, I gained a confidence in the trustworthiness of the entire Bible in a way that nothing else could have done. Instead of being less confident in my Bible, I gained a sense of clarity that absolutely nothing could dissuade me from my confidence that every paragraph and sentence and word and individual letter is both true and comes by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who never erred. I think that's what Daniel found. In the midst of his studies, he gained not a sense of dissonance, but a deep assurance in the trustworthiness of the wisdom of his God over against the wisdom of the Babylonian occult system. I think the reason for that is that while he studied Babylonian literature, he never stopped studying the word of God. I mean, he must have. Listen to Daniel 9 verse 2. There it says, in the first year of his reign, that is of Darius, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem. See, we see here that Daniel, throughout his life, was an ardent student of Scripture. It turns out I wasn't the only one who double-read for my classes. Daniel did it in Babylon. And this is true whether you study theology or history or political science or psychology or physics or medicine. I don't care if you're enrolling in plumbing or you're going to be an electrician. Double read. And by that, I mean know and believe your Bible. And keep double reading for a lifetime. It's the secret of living well in a land that does not know your God. Now let's have another look at verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. There are two very important words to be found in this passage. The first word is the Hebrew word chokmah which is translated as wisdom, and the second is the Hebrew word bina, which is translated as understanding. Let me define both of these words because these two words carry very significant meaning in the Hebrew language. So let's begin with wisdom. As you may know, there are a group of books in the Bible called the books of wisdom or wisdom literature. If you plow through Proverbs, for instance, You'll find everything from how to handle sexual urges to the value of working hard to the importance of keeping your tongue in check to the importance of honesty in business to the kind of people that you should make to be your friends. See, wisdom is that discipline that gives the one who has it the ability to make decisions that lead to life and health and enduring success. What king does not want to surround himself with advisors? who carry with them principles of wisdom and know how to apply wisdom to various human endeavors, including the matter of governing well. In double reading, that's what Daniel brought to the king of Babylon, and the king of Babylon was enriched by the wisdom of this man who had learned the wisdom of God. The other word is bina, it's knowledge. It means understanding. 
It refers to the ability to grasp concepts. And again, throughout his life, Daniel proves himself a man who's able to handle complex and difficult situations and master them fully and understand them fully. Verse 17 says that Daniel's mastery in these two areas came not from himself, but from his God. Indeed, a young man was learning to put his God first and was willing to be used by his God in a most difficult situation. And this allowed this young man to do something that was unusual. He was able, as few others were able, to draw attention to the power of his God while he was living in Babylon. He was not seduced by evil. Rather, he mastered evil in his culture and became a man of virtue and integrity and holiness. See, that's God's call on all of our lives today. We are living in our Babylon, and God would have us follow Daniel's example and do the same. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people. Show us how to be unique and different. Show us how to hold fast to the principles of our Savior so that we can learn his wisdom and apply it to our world. In Jesus' name. John, thanks for today's message. And here's the question I have for you. Are there things that we seek after? Are there human endeavors that we, where we don't require the wisdom of God's word? Fascinatingly enough, I mean, I, th- I think on a superficial level, we would say, well, no, not every area. I mean, if you're studying mathematics, I think whether you're a believer or not a believer, I mean, mathematics comes out as mathematics. However, there is something about infusing all that we do for the glory of God. And regardless of what endeavor we're involved in, uh, we begin to think of ourselves as believers in this endeavor. And then we begin to seek how we might use this endeavor for his glory. I think that begins to shape everything. And so as I think about Daniel's uh, his understanding of you know the kind of courses that he was taking and, and the kind of food that he was required to eat and all of these things that were a part of normal experience that you might think were not a part of his faith, actually became a part of his faith. So I wonder whether or not, uh, you know, Ben, as we begin to rethink everything that we're involved in, you know, the the job that we do, the, the schooling that we have, the degree that we're trying to pursue, all of that kind of stuff, if we begin to imagine how the Word of God impacts that, we might be surprised how utterly transforming the Bible is. Thanks again, John, and join us again tomorrow as we continue in the study of the book of Daniel right here on Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. I hope that today's teaching has challenged you to hold fast to the principles of our Savior and to allow the world to witness your steadfast commitment to serving Him. As you may know, the ministry programs of Back to the Bible Canada are now broadcast every week over 1,000 times. In fact, at latest count, over 1,200 times. What a great blessing to be able to present God's Word of Truth across this nation. Recently, we received an email with these words of encouragement. God has, in my humble opinion, used you and your team at Back to the Bible Canada in a most effective way to bring this message to others around the world. I cannot express my joy in listening and will continue to spread and use your words to share with others as well. You know, your efforts and support make these Bible teaching programs possible every day that reach people of all backgrounds and ages 
and it's making a profound difference. Please continue to support us with your ministry gifts as we partner together to make God's Word known among the people. Call us at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425. Or donate online at backtothebible.ca.